And we want to thank you so much for downloading our podcast, Manage Your Money God's Way. We're from Compass Catholic Ministries. We teach the best practices for handling money. And we use the Bible as our workbook. In the Bible, you will find 2,500 verses that deal specifically how God wants us handling money. And we use these biblical principles in our new six-week small group Bible study called Faith and Money Matters. You can preview this study and see how it will help you not only eliminate your debt, no matter how small or large the debt may be, but it will show you how to continue to live a debt-free life. Simply go to compasscatholic.org and take a preview of this Bible study, Faith and Money Matters. My name is Steve Holbrook, and I'm joined by the co-founders of Compass Catholic Ministries, John and Evelyn Bean. Here we are moving towards the end of April, and the stress levels with all that's going on for individuals, I would say, is on the high side, especially when it comes to finances, both for daily survival and looking at what you have for the future. Today, we want to address the godly perspective when it comes to the stock market. Evelyn, when Jesus began the Sermon on the Mount, he proclaimed the eight Beatitudes as the way to authentic happiness. The first of these stated that poverty of spirit would enable us to inherit the kingdom of God. That's kind of not what we hear in today's world as far as the secular world, is it? Nobody wants to think about poverty. Not at all. And in other words, the first step on the road to joy begins with a healthy detachment from material goods. There's something else nobody wants to think about. And later on in the same sermon, Jesus taught that building up wealth for its own sake is foolishness because we should be more interested in spiritual riches, which is definitely not the way our society thinks, is it, John? Definitely not. And before we can even get into a discussion on what's happening in the stock market during this pandemic crisis, let's talk about why you might be saving. Let me ask the question, why are you saving? Is it to get rich, to pay for college, to pay for retirement, to pay off your mortgage. You know, those last four are pretty good reasons for saving. But that first one, to get rich, not so good. Because it's all focused on the money. It's not focused on our spirituality or God. You got it. You got it. So if we go back to the Beatitudes, we should be focused on spiritual riches, not materialistic riches. And, you know, in a normal setting, not the crisis that we're in right now, um, there's there's two things that people are thinking about typically. How do we pay for short-term needs? Uh, and that should be based on your income. All your short-term needs should be provided for through your income. And then the second uh, saving or the s second uh, thing that we're thinking about is how do you prepare for your long-term needs? And, you know, th the long-term needs should be funded uh, as a portion of our income that's saved and invested for the future. Let me ask you a question here. Future needs equals long-term needs, right? Um, well, future could be anything. I think we should focus on a long term, like long -term. more than 30 more than, seconds from now. <laughs> more than two weeks from now. Yeah. More than going shopping two weeks from now. Okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, if everything that, that uh, we've invested 
in the stock market is for the long term, then we really shouldn't uh, stress over what happens in the short term, right? Because we're not focused on the short term. We want to focus on the long term. Well, I understand why people are upset because they see the stock market going down. But if the stock market goes down, you really haven't lost any money until you cash in your stock, right? That's true. Just because the market goes down doesn't mean you've lost money. It means on paper, it's not as pretty as it used to be. Well, and if somebody audited you, you wouldn't have as much money today as you had 30 days ago. And that's a big deal. Why? It's not a big deal unless somebody's auditing you. <laughs> then it's a big deal. <laughs> or you're auditing yourself, right? If everything that we've saved totally disappears and we don't have any way of getting it back, then we would absolutely be hurting. But in the history of the stock market, is that what normally happens? No, it goes up and down, right? Up and down, up and down. You know, I got some statistics from Fidelity Investments. A bear market, which is what we're um, in right now, is defined by a 20% decline from a previous peak, like a 52-week uh, a high, okay? And since 1926... There's only been, listen to this, this is, I thought this was kind of amazing. There's only been 16 bear markets since 1926. That's 94 years ago. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the average length of a bear market is approximately 22 months. And the average market loss is 39%. Let's take a look at previous bear markets so you can have a, a sense uh, of what happened. So the most recent one was the 2007-2009. You know, most people just call it 2008. The market then was down 59% over 27 months. So it was higher from a, from a decline and it was longer from a month's duration. And then before that... Uh, 73, 74 was down 48% over 21 months. And in 1929 to 32, the big crash, the one that everybody remembers, even if we weren't born then, we remember people talking about it. It was down 86% over 34 months. It almost lasted three years. Here's the, here's the thing that Everybody forgets about when they're in all this despair over how far down things have gone. The average gain the first year after a bear market is 47%. You know, the average market loss is 39. The average gain is 47. So the first year after you have this uh, bear market, you're going to be above where you were when the downturn started. In, in 2002, the market gained 15% in the first month and 34% during the first year. Now, we've seen unbelievable spikes over the last uh, month and a half. Mm -hmm. You know, the market uh, uh, went down drastically and then the next day it was up 12%. You know, not yeah, even in a week. It right, was it's up. like a ride at Disney World. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hold on, and your stomach's in your throat. I was going to say, it's the kind that make you upchuck, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, in 2008, the decline of 59%, the market doubled during the next four years. So why are you sharing this 
this news? Because all I'm hearing in my head is it's up down, down, it's up down. down. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's up and down, yeah. it's up and down. So what's the meaning? Well, I think the point is that even though it's down huge right now, it's going to come back. And the thing is, and in fact, Steve, you mentioned something uh, on the last show. You mentioned that somebody that you knew had pulled all their money out of the market. We don't want people to do that because the chances of really messing things up are extreme. Um, There's no way to time the market either way. No, you can't time the market. And, and, you know, you might be able to take it out at a high point and get back in at the low point, but the chances are like next to zero. Yeah, and I also believe you don't make a drastic move based on emotion. Well, that, you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you seek a professional, a counselor a financial counselor and had them advise you through these rocky roads if you don't have a have a financial advisor and you're doing this on your own. But just to wake up one morning and going, oh my God, I'm scared. Let me put everything in my mattress. Well, and, and that's the point of talking about short term and long term. You know, if you're in the market, you know, you should be in there for the long term, for the duration, not for the short term. The market's not a great place for a short term right. unless you're you know, a really high level, uh, totally involved investor who does nothing but invest. Okay. And that's not the type of people we talk to. And that's why we always suggest that people put money into something more liquid as they get closer to needing that money instead of keeping it invested in the market the whole time. Exactly. So you have to, you have to change your strategy as you get older and you face different life events. Yeah. Yeah. But, but a, um, a gut reaction to a crisis is not a life event. It's more of a, an emotional decision, like you said, Steve. Yeah, every article I've been reading about uh, the 401ks, they all say if you shouldn't worry. Unless you're five years out from retirement, then you should make your adjustments. But if you're 10, 15, 20 years away, don't even worry about this. Don't, they're not recommended. Don't even look at your statements. Yeah, because you, this will all come back. And they cite, John, some of the statistics that you just cited, that the market does come back. Most of the time, it comes back stronger. Will it happen in a year, 18 months, 24 months? Nobody knows. But if you're in that place where you're starting to get ready to use your money, right. then that should be part of your strategy anyhow. Exactly. Yeah, so you, you should have already... Stay the course. Know, yeah, mm -hmm. you pull that trigger beforehand. Most people are investing a little bit of money with each paycheck. And you should continue to do that. I've heard people are saying, well, I'm not investing any money now because the market's just going down. You know, every time it goes down, when you're putting the same amount of money at each paycheck, you know, whatever that is, 3%, 5%, 10%, you're buying more and more shares with that same amount of money. You know, today, the, the amount of shares that you get are probably double what you would have gotten six weeks ago. So when the market recovers, you're going to have way more shares than what you would have had if the market had just stayed the same. So that whole process that we've just described is called dollar cost averaging. If you have a little bit of extra money, I've heard some people talking about that. I've got some extra money. I'm going to, I'm going to buy a bunch of shares. Well, if that's the case, let me ask you this question. Is your emergency fund fully funded. You know, that would be at least six months of income tucked away someplace where you can get to it in a, in a crisis. You know, have you paid off all of your credit card debt? 
Have you paid off all your consumer debt? If those answers are all yes, then have at it. You can go invest. But even with that, I would say don't just do it lump sum. Buy some this week. Buy some next week. Buy some the week after. Continue that dollar cost averaging, whether it's on a monthly basis or a weekly basis. This is Manage Your Money God's Way. We are from Compass Catholic Ministries. Earlier, I was telling you about our new Faith and Money Matters Bible studies. Perfect timing for all the financial situation that's going on these days. This Bible study will show you the best ways to save, invest, cut spending, reduce, and eliminate your debt. You can learn a lot more. Go to compasscatholic.org. Well, today we're taking a look at the stock market from a godly perspective. And John, there's a Bible verse that I've heard you use several times in workshops that both you and Evelyn do. And this Bible verse regards the desire to be rich. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 says, Those who want to be rich are falling into temptation and into a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires which plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evils. Some people in their desire for it have strayed from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains. So, you know, that's one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. It is. Because it is. people say it's the money is the root of all evil. Right, right. But it's not actually the love. The love, the of, love money. of money. Yeah. And focusing too much on the ups and downs of the market are going to, it's going to cause stress, anxiety, depressions, all sorts of bad physical ailments. And even worse, it's going to turn your focus away from God, which is what these verses from 1 Timothy tell us. If your spirituality goes in the tank, then where are you going to be? Let's talk some more about savings now. In 2006, just before the 2008 recession, the national average for savings was a measly 3%. 3% is the lowest it, it had ever been in 73 years. So that's the average that everybody in America was saving. That's correct. Just 3%. You know, when times are good, most people don't believe they need to save for the future. Everything's going to be okay. You know, when the 2008 recession hit, People had very little savings to fall back on. So as a result of 2008, they started saving more. And by 2010, the savings rate had increased to 5.9%. And by 2012, it was up to 11%. People remembered how bad things were in 2008. And they wanted to make sure that they would be covered if anything happened again. So what's the average savings rate today? Well, people have very short memory. <laughs> I had a <laughs> feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> Between 2012 and 2019, the good times were rolling. The market was skyrocketing. Everything was good. And the national savings rate dropped like a rock in 2017, which is the last recorded average that we uh, have right now, the savings rate had gone down to 3.2%. So only two tenths higher than the lowest of the lows. So when people feel good about the economy, they have a tendency to spend everything they get and say very little. 
That's absolutely true. And then something true. always comes along, Everybody right? Everybody forgot about 2008, <laughs> and now it's 2020, and everything's upside down. You know, think about the story of Joseph in Genesis. He saved, Joseph saved for seven years of plenty for the king so that the whole country could survive seven years of famine. Or there's another story in Proverbs about the ants. And the ants stored up all their food in the summer so that they would have food for the winter. Again, they're saving. So what's the key here? People just aren't disciplined or they're not interested in saving or they don't think they need to save or why aren't people saving more? I think the key word is discipline. I think you hit it right on the head, Evelyn. Joseph was disciplined. He saved during the good times to be prepared for the famine. The ants saved their food in the summer so they wouldn't starve in the winter. It takes discipline to do that. As a general rule, we need to be more disciplined with our financial lives. Too many times we don't see the value of practicing self-denial. Well, I mean, everything in our, culture, in our culture keeps telling us that we deserve to buy everything. We deserve to have this. We need to have this in order to be happy or fulfilled or smart or intelligent or pretty or sexy or whatever it is. All those advertising messages keep coming at us. And, you know, during this time where people are struggling, I've been noticing a, a number of car manufacturers are offering 0% interest for 72 months I've heard 84 even. 84. And, yeah. you know, I was even wondering how many people will go out, whether they need a car or not, they're going to talk themselves into it's 0% interest. You know, I mean, if you need a car and you were planning on buying a car, it's a great time. But right. I understand that. If you're doing it just because it's 0% interest. And yeah, and you have a car that's two or three years old sitting at home. And the, yeah. yeah. But think of how much money I'm going to save, Steve. That's what I mean. That's, I'm just curious on how this is going to work for some of the manufacturers. If you don't put it in a savings account, you're not saving it. You're just not spending it. Right. I've heard somebody really phenomenally smart say that. It must have been your wife. <laughs> What do you think, Steve? Well, I was going to take credit, but you jumped in a little too fast. <laughs> He's got to go home with me, so. <laughs> so we want it instantly. We don't want to wait to save. You know, there's even a slogan. It's called, just do it. Now, I know that the slogan wasn't created to allow us to be able to splurge to excess. But that's what's happened with that slogan. That's what it represents. That brand new car. Put a ribbon on it and park it in the driveway for your spouse. Don't you dare. You don't need to ask <laughs> if it's a good thing to do. You don't need to worry about how much it costs or if you can afford it. Or just go buy that brand new phone this year. Don't worry about the one you bought last year. I mean, it's old already, right? It's a year old. This one's going to have a little bit better technology. There's no way to cover any of our deserved actions with a philosophy that is, if you think you deserve it, that's not discipline. Okay, okay, so how do you discipline yourself to save? Well, one way is to make it automatic. Have the money automatically deducted from your paycheck and put into your 401k. And then automatically increase the amount you save every three to six months. Increase it by a percent or two percent. Or even half a percent. Anything, you know, keep adding to it. 
check out the 401k contribution effects on your paycheck calculator on the website, compasscatholic.org website. There's a great calculator because you can put in more money than you really think about it because it's not being taxed. So you get extra money there to save. It's like buying the stock at a lower price, right? Get more for less. Get more for less. Two for one. Maybe not quite that much. You know, and I'll give you a, a witness. I had someone within the last two weeks call me who used to work for me for many years. And we were talking about retirement. And he said, if it wasn't for the fact that it was an automatic um, uh, withdrawal from his, uh, his check and put into an automatic 401k saving plan, he said, I would be working till I was 90. Yeah. But that's a smart person to understand that they're not disciplined enough to do it themselves and to force a discipline through mm-hmm. an automatic process. Right. And that's I mean, that's only... a really smart way to do it. If your company doesn't have a 401k plan, have the bank deduct the money from your paycheck as soon as it's deposited and put into a savings account. Or even better, have a broker dealer make automatic deductions every month to put into your investment accounts. Uh, make saving your, make it immediate, okay? Make it the first thing after you're giving that happens when you receive any amount of money. Now, the saving you're talking about is long-term saving for retirement, a 401k, something like that. What about emergency fund? How do people save for an emergency fund? Having an emergency fund is an absolute essential to being able to stay out of debt. The minimum amount in your emergency fund should be at least $1,000, and that's just a baby emergency fund. But you know what? Only 41% of the population can say they've got $1,000 saved in an emergency fund. The other 59% don't even have that much. So let me throw this question out because the stimulus checks should be arriving this week. I mean, they, they said it would be within three weeks, and that three weeks is sometime now. And if you don't have an emergency fund, do you put all, let's say, $1,500 into that emergency fund? If you're, not behind, if you're not behind on your bills, I okay. would say, yeah, that's the right place to but do if it. You don't, you don't ha- want to spend it on stuff that's not absolutely exactly. necessary. But if you don't have an emergency fund, some of that stimulus money should go into starting one? Definitely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you've still got credit card debt that you you know are carrying over month to month to month, I would use the rest of it to pay off that credit card debt. I mean, it's probably costing you 18 to 30%, depending on how well you've paid it over the, the, you know, the past. Do yourself a favor and, and apply that money right away. Don't go out and take a vacation or, or buy something new just because you got a little bit of extra cash. You know, we've been preaching this for a long time. And do you think that the fact that people are now facing a financial crisis, uh, they're going to be more serious about being fiscally responsible? I hope so. But I seriously doubt it. Yeah, I agree. I doubt it until the second notice starts coming, that they're going to go out and spend, continue to spend like they've been spending. Even if somebody in the house had hours cut or their pay cut, or somebody got laid off, I, you know, a majority of the people are still going to be status quo until it's too late. They're going to learn a lesson. I'll never do this again. Mm, yeah, well, but how many people said that in 2008? And I think they were good for a while, but then, as you said, the, uh, the people just started spending. They forgot. Well, we've done that, people, and it's not a happy place to be. So if you're thinking about it, don't do it. We need to remind ourselves that wealth, 
like our health, is completely uncertain and can be lost in a heartbeat. The Lord alone will be there for us always. John and Evelyn, thank you so much. Now, if you'd like to share this program with a friend or family member, it's available, as is all our programs. Go to compasscatholic.org. On the homepage, scroll down, click on the button that says podcast, and you'll find this show, which is called The Stock Market, A Gandhi Perspective. Over the past several weeks, we've had a number of emails regarding personal finances during this time of uncertainty, and we've asked John Kennedy if he would mind answering some of these emails. John is a financial advisor and co-owner of Cantor Path Financial here in Orlando. John, here's our first question. If I need access to resources, can I take from my retirement plan before my retirement age? So you can actually in 2020, they've um, they've also as part of the CARES Act came up with a no early withdrawal penalty rule. Prior to that, you know, let's just say hypothetically, if you were under the age of 59 and a half and you had a retirement plan, you wouldn't be able to take assets from that without paying a penalty. And that penalty is is a 10 percent early withdrawal penalty. So they've waived that under these circumstances if you fell under hardship. Obviously, under normal circumstances, I think the most commonly driven advice would be to contribute to a retirement account, not to take money from a retirement account until you retire. But in the year 2020, you have the ability to, if you need to, as, as you know, if it's if it qualifies for the coronavirus related distribution. Um, one thing that's important to know, though, that although you avoid the 10% early withdrawal penalty, you will still pay taxable income on that distribution. And you can actually elect to pay taxable income on that distribution in the year 2020 or you can divide it over the next three years between 2020, 2021, and 2022. And John, we have time to squeeze in one more question. I've heard the stimulus checks are based on the 2018-2019 income. Would you mind elaborating on how all this is going to work? Sure. That's a great question. So if you think about it for a moment, the U.S. Treasury, the data that they have to go off of somebody to determine what their refund check should be based on their income is the only data point that they have is to look at a past tax return. So if you haven't filed your 2019 taxes yet, that they're going to look at 2018. But regardless of what tax return they look at, this will all get reconciled April of next year because this is a this is an, this is an advanced tax credit for the 2020 tax year. So even though it's being based off of a prior year income number from a prior year tax return, it will get reconciled when you file your taxes for 2020. John, thank you so much for taking the time to answer these emails. And we have a lot more emails to get through. So you know what? We're going to have you back next week. And remember, we have a brand new podcast for you each and every Wednesday. Simply go to compasscatholic.org, scroll down on the homepage, and click on podcast. You're listening to Manage Your Money God's Way. We're from Compass Catholic Ministries. Compass Catholic Ministries.